to the Shrink Think Podcast. I'm Aaron. And I'm Nathan, and we're both licensed professional counselors in Oregon, here to open up our lives and minds with you. We are your companion on the journey to grow your healthcare practice, yourself, and your relationships. To get you started, we've got a free email course on our website, shrinkthinkpodcast.com forward slash course, with practical steps on overcoming your fear and anxiety. Thank you for joining us on the Shrink Think Podcast. Hey there, welcome to the Shrink Think Podcast. We are following up this episode to the previous one, talking about attachment in relationships and kind of the normal development um, or slightly abnormal development of yourself and your relationships in terms of like dependency, codependency, interdependency. And so in the last episode, if you didn't listen, I'm just going to give you a, a really brief summary. If you want the more thorough explanation, go back to the previous episode and listen to that one. It's also sort of a foundational or groundwork episode for this one. So go back and listen to that one. And then this one will make a little bit more sense. But just a quick overview, the normal development of a person's life, you start out as a baby being completely dependent, and then you become codependent with your parents or caregivers. And then you become independent as you gain your own abilities and you want your own responsibilities. And then you realize, okay, I do actually need people and it's good to be dependent on them in a healthy, mutual sort of a way. That's your interdependence. And we're kind of meshing that with this whole idea of attachment stuff that's out there. It's been around for, I don't know, what would you say, like 40, 60 years, something like that? Something Um, like that. Yeah, yeah. it's been around quite a long time. There's been quite a bit of study on it. It's really, it's recent, I guess, in the sense of um, we're still learning about that kind of stuff, but we know a whole lot more than we used to back in like the 50s, 60s, before all of that stuff as when all that, we didn't really know a whole lot about it. So um, it's fairly recent in terms of history, but we know quite a bit about it. And what we do know is that you've got like your four main attachment styles. um, And generally speaking, we are explaining them in terms of how you view yourself and then how you view other people. And so this is where you get like four different combinations of that. You can view yourself positively or negatively, and then you can view other people positively or other people negatively. And then when you start meshing that together, you can view yourself positively and others positively, or view yourself positively and other people negatively, and then vice versa on the other side. So I don't want to complicate that. But today we're talking about the two parts of this quadrant where you they're called your anxious attachment and your avoidant attachment. These are probably two of the most common types that are out there, um, apart from your secure attachment. Uh, in the last episode, we did talk about the secure attachment and the which is like what fifty one percent of the population right. that's out there. And then the disorganized attachment is that's far less common. Um, one of the the least common types of attachment because it's you know disorganized. It's it's pretty severe, I guess, in a lot of ways. Um, people that have grown up with a lot of chaos or just a lot of abuse. So today, we're as we talk about anxious and avoidant attachment styles, we're going to look at how for the anxious person, they view themselves negatively and other person, uh, other people positively. And then for the avoidant person, it's kind of the opposite. They view themselves positively and other people negatively. So in terms of relationships, Nathan, what might that look like? Let's start with this anxious attachment person. 
What's that going to look like if you view yourself as uh, there's something wrong with me? I'm not okay. That's another way of looking at it is like, I'm not okay, but you're okay uh, for the anxious attachment. Before I start that, one thing I realized as you were just explaining the overview is that actually this lady named Ainsworth is the one who started the attachment stuff, which actually was back in the the 90s. And the reason why that's important is because this newer book, and I mentioned it last time called Attached, went back and did they did more research. I cannot remember the names of the authors. Sorry about that. But they used the exact same people that they did the study on earlier. So it's like newer published information. And then, of course, that's become a really popular book. And so anyway, uh, the reason why that's super interesting is because the idea when we were learning in, in grad school about attachment was that it was going to be pretty crystallized and solid. But what they found, because they literally went back to the same people, is that attachment styles can actually change up to four times throughout throughout the lifespan, which is super interesting. Yeah, I pulled up the book. It's called Attached, and it's by uh, Dr. Amir Levine and Rachel Heller. Great book. Yeah, it's really good. So part of what we were realizing in the first episode was that you know, this whole idea, you know, me being inspired by having to like talk about codependency a lot this last week was realizing like, man, this is not, it's, you're using this situation to avoid, right? So attachment styles will do that. I'll be like, they'll feel, somebody will feel like, oh, you're, you know, they have a negative view of others. So they'll feel like, oh, you're trying to like be too close to me. It's like, there's something wrong with you. Like, I'm fine. I don't know why you're talking to me about this. So they start dismissing you. They start like going like, yeah, well, okay, whatever. Like, I, I, yeah, nope, nope. You can just go. Like, actually, you don't need to. You don't need to keep telling me these things. Like, this is obviously your issue. So just walk away, there, little buttercup. Deal with it on your own. <laughs> right. So that would be the avoidant uh, attachment style. The other one where uh, you have a positive view of yourself. Like, I don't need you. And if you are demonstrating any kind of need of me, that feels suffocating. Uh, that feels like you're needy and clingy, even if you're just asking a basic question or wanting to be close, it could be perceived by this avoidant attachment person as like, there's something wrong with you. Because again, you know, negative view of other people, positive view of myself, fundamentally, (laughs) anything that you do is kind of a bit of like, what's wrong with you? And that's, again, a little bit of I'm, I'm dramatizing it a little bit, making it a little bit more extreme so that you can see it. But that can be some of the arguments that come out. Well, those are the folks actually that I was inspired with earlier this week that I'll be like, they're just being codependent. Like, uh, no, you're being avoidant. They have this question that they have is fine. Like, this is not a weird thing, right? They don't feel all right about something that you said, which is fine. They can feel all not all right about that. They were asking about it and that's not clinginess or neediness. Like you can answer that and be okay. Cause the negative viewpoint is, of the others is they're trying to get me like they're trying to, they're going to find out something and I don't know what it is. I don't know what their angle is, but I don't need them to be because vulnerabilities and that intimacy is not okay. It's like, there's a danger to that and to some extent. Yeah. It's in, you're kind of picking up this sense of like mistrust that it's not necessarily like, I don't trust anyone. It's just that I don't know who I can trust. I mean, on an extreme end in this category, maybe it's like, I don't trust anybody but I think probably more for the general population. It's like some people can be trustworthy, but I need to vet everybody because everybody could hurt me or take advantage of me in some way. Um, I don't want to be exposed in some way. So I do need to protect myself. 
And so I'm looking at you and the relationship as like, well, what are you doing with like this element of skepticism? And of course, if you're a person on the other side, you're going to experience that skepticism, um, I think, pretty, pretty bluntly. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then if you on the other side, you have like more of a negative view of yourself. Right. So you're like the you know, anxious attachment. Yeah. The anxious side. So you, you've got this dynamic duo of excitement. Right. So we're talking. About <laughs> right. So they were just like, oh, I knew it. I'm not very good. Like, there's something wrong with me. Like, they're 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 OK. And I'm not. <laughs> and the avoiding person is like, yeah, you're exactly. right. Exactly. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. Go get help. Right. It's, <laughs> it's like, not me. <laughs> I'm not going to help you. Yeah, it's not me. It's it's you. <laughs> like, that's opposite. So if you've been broken up that way, <laughs> let them go. Anyway, but yeah, you're you're talking about on the on this other side, the anxious attachment. This is a really common one. Um, there's a difference between like asking questions and engaging, maybe wanting to pursue or whatever, just kind of normal relational kinds of things where you're putting yourself out there a little bit. You're reaching out for somebody, you know, like just call it like a handshake. You're just reaching out to touch someone um, to shake their hand. It's just kind of an, an innocuous thing that everybody does. Um, but if it gets into this, like, I'm not okay, and you are okay, it's no longer just a, hey, I'm putting my hand out there for you to shake. It's the, what, you're going to leave me hanging? Come on, grab my hand. What, why didn't you? There's this, like, anxiety, because in for this person, the anxious attachment person, they're looking at themselves as bad, and so therefore they need you to give approval of them. They need you to say, oh, you're good, and so if I can get your approval or your acceptance of me, then I can be okay. And so some for the anxiously attached, um, and again, there's a spectrum of this or whatever, but for the anxiously attached, it can be or can come across certainly as like needy or as clingy as too much, because in some ways it is. Wh whatever you're giving me, if you're the securely attached person, Nathan, and I'm looking for something from you, I, I kind of like this, this interaction we did last time with the secure attached person. Um, so if you hold that position in this role play here, if I'm the anxiously attached and I'm asking you, oh, Nathan, what are you up to? What are you doing? Um, can I be involved in your life? You know, <laughs> do you want to talk? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's interesting. I'm doing X, Y, Z and it'd be fun to hang out. Well, I mean, if, if you don't want to, if you're busy, then you don't have to, but I mean, if, if you don't want to, that's fine. Just let me know. Well, I'm just, you know, we're doing this later and if you want to come, that's fine. Okay. I mean, I don't, if I, you want, do you want me to? No, I don't want you, <laughs> right? Because that's what you're waiting for, right? Cause, yeah, because I'm not answering the question quite right. You, I'm, because the real question is, am I okay? Right. Because I don't believe I am, but please tell me I am, because you're okay. <laughs> right. Yeah. I know. Well, you know, all that we're doing is this, and this, like, ah. okay. I mean, I, never mind. I, it's okay. I, I'll just do my own thing. Oh, all right. <laughs> i knew it you don't want me <laughs> there's something wrong with me yeah so if you think of it like uh, you were talking about the handshake thing for an anxious uh, attached person when they put their hand out what they're actually saying is am i okay shake my hand am i am i okay you know that's really what's happening and for the other person they're more saying something the, like the avoidant attachment yeah, the avoidant dismissive is kind of saying uh, um hey i don't need you at all so here you go. Like, <laughs> I don't want to put my hand out there at all. I, I don't really need to shake your hand. Yeah. If you, I guess if you want me to, I will. But that's for you. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. Not for me. So. So it, it's I think we just wanted to talk about this because it's a conversation, I think, that a lot of people have where you might be looking at 
the issue itself. You know, in this little role play we did a second ago, it was like uh, you were saying something like, oh, all I'm doing is this. And me as the anxiously attached person was asking, like, well, do you want me to be there? And so in your mind, you think we're talking about um, like doing whatever, doing the thing. And then it's like, hey, if we were to go back and try to address this little mini conflict um, in your mind, we probably would be having a conversation about the issue. Like, hey, I just was asking you about this and I was telling you what my schedule was and that I was available. And I don't know why that became an issue. So like, did you have time to do that? Like you're focusing on the issue itself because you're not even thinking at all that there's something wrong with me or, or whatever, because that's not even in your mind. You're securely attached in your mind. You're like, I'm okay. And you're okay. So what's the problem? Right. (laughs) Right. So why are we even having this conversation? So you're just focusing on the issue itself. Whereas for the anxiously attached or even for the avoidantly attached, you might be more focused on the person, whether it's yourself or the other person. And that's when you said a second ago, like with the handshake, like the real conversation that's going on is, is there something wrong with me or what's wrong with you? Yeah. For the anxious person in that scenario, when they grew up, they didn't really experience themselves as wanted. Nobody, nobody actually wanted. So they, they kind of, are growing up in these different phases and not totally being con- like connected to. So in their mind, nobody really wants them. Nobody really has actually accepted who they are. They There's always like, it seems like it might be okay. I mean, maybe they grew up and like, you know, all the basic needs were met and nothing was horrible, but the family was a little bit distant, you know, or um, this happens a lot with, with kids that are um, like, precocious or like in that like kind of a what do they call them an old soul or whatever that they get kind of left to do by themselves essentially because parents are like especially new parents right if this happens to be your firstborn I mean and you don't really know as a parent you're like I don't know they seem to be fine like I just had them go out they went down to the minute market on their own or they went some they they buy this I just give them some money and that you know they're basically paying rent they're like eight <laughs> yeah eight. Nathan they're eight years old <laughs> right that's like first grade. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I hope not. Because, I mean, anyway, but yeah, so so then what they they don't actually know what they are. They don't get they don't understand the feedback they're getting, but they're competent enough to do whatever they're doing. But it doesn't it doesn't resonate like in their in the depth of who they are. And also there's a disconnect with the parent in that the parent doesn't really know, doesn't necessarily know that the kid needs that because the kid looks and seems fine. And so they, there's a misunderstanding a lot of time that's happening and there's just a small disconnect. So you get this little anxiety that develops in the kid because they're not a hundred, even though they seem to be doing okay, they're not a hundred percent confident about what they're, what they're actually pulling off. And so that kind of, that anxiety just sits there (laughs) like (laughs) seeds. Right. (laughs) And sometimes it comes out more strongly and other times it's like, it seems like something is just never quite okay even when it's like okay we agree on something and there's still like this lingering like is it really okay like this question in your mind that's like are you really okay i'm not sure because you you probably are picking up something about this anxious person the interesting thing about that that whole childhood experience that you're describing is that that can be very similar for the avoidant attachment person but they take like there's like a fork in the road, if you will, where the anxious attachment person 
really wants the love and affection and connection from the caregiver or you know parent or whatever and they internalize these messages about themselves and they keep trying to get that connection so they're, they're they kind of stay stuck in that process if you will like anxiously trying to reach out for attachment whereas on the other side the avoidant person looks at that and says yeah this never happens it's never going to happen so i'm going to stop trying so forget that I don't need you. What's wrong with you that you don't want to attach to me? <laughs> Mom, dad, <laughs> right? <laughs> it's like your eight-year-old saying like, you guys are doing a really crappy job <laughs> of parenting. So I'm going to do my own thing and parent myself. And so they kind of develop this view of themselves. That's like, I don't need you because you're letting me down. You're not giving me what I need. I can't rely on you. And that's bad. You should be giving me these things. And in a lot of ways, they're right. Um, but it kind of develops this like inflated view of yourself. Um, that's not totally real. I mean, it, it is real in a lot of ways that you can rely on yourself and trust yourself. But the thing is, it, you're you're looking at other people as, well, I can't rely on you. That's not safe or trustworthy to me. But that's not true. Those people in your life were. Um, and other people can be trustworthy and safe, but you just have to repair some of that in your life so that you can open up and actually be vulnerable with other people. Yeah, there's, it's interesting you just saying that I was realizing, you know, this has potential to be confusing, but it's, this is something very different. There is also anxiety in that avoidant person because what, what they're anxious about. So as soon as they kind of make this unknown, unconscious decision to, to basically go, nope, not needing you, buddy, is the other thing that's happening is there's a little anxiety in there because they don't want to find out that they do. Right. So, so what they're doing is they're keeping just a little space because, I mean, can you understand that? Like if you're talking about somebody that's doing this maybe for like 20 years, right? I mean, do you, can you imagine how hard or how catastrophic it would feel to find out that you, that you did need someone? It would be like, what? You have to like reorient. You were at like 20 years of your life. It would feel it would feel very scary. Yeah, it's like your entire concrete house mansion that you've built for yourself that is luxurious, that you love and that is, you know, so safe for you, this this concrete thing. You have to like bulldoze the entire thing because there's no like, oh, we'll just like rip something up. You know, we'll go into the, the floorboards and repair the foundation somewhere. No, it's like you have to bulldoze the entire thing in a way, you know, and like start over because it's underground. Yeah. And it's so extreme that the pendulum swings in the exact opposite of, do you mean this entire time I am a horrible person? Mm -hmm. And it's no, we don't mean that. Um, no, nobody means that. But there, but that's kind of a natural entertainment. I mean, mm -hmm. working with uh, domestic violence victims, that's kind of one of the first things that they will come to conclusion. When you finally get them to be able to take responsibility for their action, they lose they lose it all. Like they, they will crumple like in the, I've seen grown gigantic men crumple into the fetal position in a group therapy session going, it's all my fault. Everything's my fault. You know, cause, cause all that emotion has got to get expressed. Right. So that whole thing is terrifying. And that's why a lot of times in therapy, when we as therapists kind of know this, we'll know like, okay, this is going to be like launching off a shame cliff here. Um, this is a big thing. And to where when the other partners may be more secure, they may be looking at us as therapists like, but he, can you just like, because all he needs to, no, not all he needs. Like, 
Like, this is not a simple thing for him. Right, again, there's that, like, handshake, and then there's the deeper conversation. It's like, it's not just a handshake. It's what that handshake means to you, (laughs) kind of from an attachment perspective. So, like, in terms of therapy and in terms of um, healing and repairing these attachment injuries, again, like I said at the end of the last episode, I just want to end this one by saying these things are totally repairable. It may take a whole lot more work and a whole lot more time, depending on the length of time you've been living this way or the severity of some of your attachment injuries in your life, or even some of the opportunities you have with the people in your life to try to practice these things and make these repairs. But in therapy, uh, that's kind of the goal of us as therapists is to be secure attachments with you. We're moving our own needs and issues aside so that we can be securely there for you, meaning we're not taking things personally, we're not making things about us so that you bring an emotion or a situation to the table and we are giving advice and needing you to take it. Like, well, you didn't do what I asked you to do. That hurts my feelings. Well, that's not secure attachment in the way that you need it. We might try to guide you and then listen to what you need and give you that feedback. But then we're really trying to sit with you in terms of how you're feeling about it. How is it even for you to hear feedback from someone, to try to trust somebody to guide you? That's touching on all those wounds and all those nerves. But we want to try to work with you in that journey and that process so that you can see yeah, it is okay for people to have your best interest in mind. And some people can do that out there. And here's what it looks like. You know, yeah. And in closing, that research should be, and I hope really um, encouraging to you, because this is not, this is not frozen. You are not stuck indefinitely with no hope. The research itself suggests that you can change this. This can be changed. And so with that, be encouraged and have a great day. Thanks for listening to our show. Don't forget to head over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts to leave us a review and subscribe to our podcast so you never miss an episode. You can also visit our website at www.shrinkthinkpodcast.com forward slash course and sign up for our free email course, Nine Ways to Overcome Fear and Self-Doubt. And you'll get nine weeks worth of customized, practical strategies you can use to get past the fear that's holding you back in your life. Thanks again for listening.